0: Good morning, church. So thankful to have you here at church this morning. I don't even know what today is that we're recording, so I don't even know what today it is that you're watching. I'm assuming it's a Sunday. I can't even talk right. We got some people here. I don't know where you're at, <laughs> but welcome to church, man. So fun. Uh, we, uh, as you can tell, I'm sitting down, which is a little different, and uh, really excited to be together this morning. And I just feel like I want to talk a little bit together and have a little bit of a conversation. This is going to be new. We had a a plan for kind of what we were going to get started this Sunday. And uh, just earlier today, before we sat down to record this message, uh, I felt like God was just doing something in my heart and that we were supposed to change direction a little bit. So... We're going to roll with it. I'm up here all alone. It's me and the Holy Ghost. All I got is my Bible. We got no notes. I don't even have water. I forgot my water, which is okay, Uh, but we're going to have a good time. So open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. If you're in the room, open up to Luke chapter 10. I see people in the room have something to take notes with. It's been a while since we've been in church, but you haven't forgotten that we're a note-taking church. If you're at home, make sure you pull something out, Uh, pull out your phone, your notebook, something like that. We are going to have a great time in the word of God. And uh, I think you've already heard this this morning, but I want to remind everybody next week, June 7th, we are having church together in the building and I want to invite you. We'd love to have you there. We are really excited and I know we haven't given many details yet uh, because we are still trying to navigate exactly what we like are and aren't allowed to do and how all that's going on. So uh, our goal is that Wednesday, we're going to be able to bring some clarity and uh, with an announcement on that. So be checking like email, social media, all that sort of good stuff. People in here, does that sound good? People in bed, does that sound good? I think, oh, this this one, this is the camera. People in bed? (laughs) I wish I was having some coffee right now in bed. Actually, I probably am. Whoa! All right, Luke chapter ten. <laughs> this just got real trippy. All right, I love it. Luke chapter ten. I want to share uh, just some a few thoughts this morning um, uh, under, uh, around the the title. As you write this, uh, we are we've been going through the Bible together, and we're going to pick that up again next week. But I want to share just some thoughts this morning under kind of under the main thought under the sort of banner of more than skin deep, more than skin deep. And uh, if you have been a part of our church for uh, maybe a little over a year or longer than that, um, this is kind of a message that has been developing over the last four years for us as a church um, as we have been continuing to navigate together just like uh, everybody in our nation, the racial tensions, racial injustices, and uh, the racial reconciliation that needs to happen in so many different directions for so many different reasons. And uh, this message, I actually shared it for the first time in 2017, uh, when everything, when there was riots and stuff happening in Charlottesville, for those of you who remember that. And then I think about a year ago, shared another message under the same title as part of our cultural architect series. I think that was about a year ago. And, um, today I think I just realized, you know, um, in the same way that our, we've been having recent conversations around race, culture, and church. We've had that conversation with JT Thomas. We had another conversation as a part of Living Room Live recently. If you've missed those, go check those out. Um, it, I think the reality, it's just the reality is, is that... Um, All of the stuff that we have talked about in these messages, all of the stuff that we've talked about in the conversations are still around, which means we still have to talk about them. And uh, I know that as we come to church this morning and I say we're going to talk about race and this different stuff that's going on, I want you to know that uh, my agenda is just to love Jesus and love people and help us all do that. And there's no political agenda. There's (laughs) no agenda other, other than that. And this isn't supposed to be, and I'm not coming to this under the premise that this is going to be some end-all be-all conversation on all of this. And I'm going to give you the four-step plan to make the world be completely fixed by Monday. Uh, The reality is we live in a broken world and we live in a world where lots of people are going through lots of pain, lots of different types of pain from so many different directions for so many different reasons. And sometimes... People can look at that and say, well, how could there be a good God when there's so much pain in the world? But I think as the church and the people of God, we've got to step in and realize God's so good that he stepped into the pain of the world. And we as the people of God, we have to be willing to step into the pain of the world. And uh, obviously, we just, in the last couple weeks, had that conversation uh, for Living Room Live around race, culture, and church, and we talked about some current events that have been happening that we've all been aware of, of more stories of unarmed, specifically black men and women being killed, and the different... just the reality of that in our life. And I think I just want to say this, you know, as we go through this, again, I don't know how long this is going to last or even where we're supposed to land this whole plan today, this whole plane today. Um, But I do want to ask you for grace and just realize that, um, I know that every time I talk about this, I'm going to offend most people. I'm going to say the wrong thing, not going to say the right thing, going to say too much, not going to say enough and all of that sort of thing. But the goal of these conversations is not to pick a side. It's not to um, make anybody feel comfortable or uncomfortable for that reason. We just want to talk about the realities of the world that we live in. And how do we, as the people of God, who were dead in sin, but have given new life by the grace of Jesus and been filled with the very spirit of the living God, how do we step in to the world that we're living in and see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven? So that's what we're going for this morning. Um, I think I was saying something before that, but I forget now. So we're just going to go to Luke chapter 10. (laughs) Luke chapter 10. Um, And and another kind of thing I think that has to be prefaced here is... In talking about one injustice, I leave it open for the sentiment of, well, what about all of the other injustices? Or what about this one or that one? And I was talking with a friend one time, uh, actually this was a couple years ago, when uh, there was more stuff in the news about people being killed and I was asking um, him, he's an African, African-American friend of mine. And I was just telling him, you know, how, how, what do I do? And I was kind of asking him this question, like, there's so many injustices in the world. How do we step in and navigate this one? And, and he told me something that has stuck with me that I want to share with us this morning. And that was just simply, he said, you know, in a war, you can't fight all the battles, but you can fight the one right in front of you. And that's what I wanna put in front of us. And that's really my heart and what I felt like God was reminding me of even today uh, to have this conversation. Because I know that um, everybody uh, is, is coming into this conversation in a, in a slightly different place. Um, some feel like um, you know, they've been shouting and trying to get change to happen in the world and they're tired and feeling out of breath. <laughs> and there's some people who are on the complete opposite side of that spectrum of feeling like, man, this has been shouted about. Why are we still talking about some of this stuff? There is everywhere in between, um, but one thing that has just been sticking out to me is specifically with what happened, I think, the last two days with uh, George Floyd being killed. Um, this is something that, like I said, I think it's just brought up the reality that this hasn't gone anywhere. And this is something we continually have the opportunity to step into as the people of God. And I want us to learn how to navigate that well. I want us to learn how to navigate that well. And there's been, um, it's been interesting to me to watch and experience, maybe that's a better word. It's, it's been an interesting experience for me personally. And I know for other people I've been talking to who have watched the video or just heard the details of what happened um, I know a lot of people that maybe past events have been bad, have been terrible, have been sad, but maybe haven't felt like they've hit, like hit, really hit home. Uh, and I know so many people who are coming kind of from that background of, I care, I want to be empathetic and all of that, but but today is different. It feels like it hit. And uh, another, I was talking with somebody today, he, he's been a part of, Powerful racial reconciliation stuff in another city for like 30, 40 years, and he said, uh, he said, referring to this incident to George Floyd's death, he said, this this one seems to be a colorless grief in our nation today. And I just thought, wow, that is such an incredible way to say that. And I think that's where my heart is coming from right now. That more than anything, I just want to recognize the grief that I know that I'm experiencing. And I know so many people are experiencing, not white people, black people, brown people, people. People are experiencing it. And I wanna share this thought more than skin deep because there is pain from so many different angles. Um, As many angles as there are individuals, uh, there's pain and there's grief because of this incident. But there is, in addition, not but, in addition to that, I think that we are having a collective experience Of simply the grief of living in a broken, hurting world where horrible things happen. And I don't mean to say that in a resigning sort of a way. I'm just saying we are experiencing not just the problem of of racism, which in so many instances can become such even a political thing to even say. But this it seems like there's this moment right now that's going deeper than previous moments, even moments in the last month or two, that it's like, this, this, isn't, this, is just, this just hurts, all of us. It, just, it hurts to watch somebody killed. <laughs> it hurts. And it hurts to, to face that reality that we are living in a world where painful things happen. And what do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do we do with that as individuals and the way I'm individually experiencing that? And what do I do about the way other individuals are experiencing that, other communities are experiencing that. So um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read a story here that Jesus tells. It's a parable. Uh, which means it's kind of like an allegory. It's a story that Jesus came up with in uh, in a moment to teach a lesson. So it's not a literal story. And uh, like uh, when I've shared this in the past, you know, it's kind of like Pilgrim's Progress, you know, one of those stories where people have weird names, but they represent a thing and all this kind of stuff. But it's communicating an overall point. And I think it's so powerful. Um, it starts like this in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and to put him to the test, to put Jesus to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? I think this is, This is loaded. Man, there's just so much in here. A lawyer comes and puts Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be right? What do I need to do to be right? It's a dangerous question that I think we can all get way too obsessed with. We can come to Jesus. We can come to our politics. We can come to our opinions and say, what must I do to be right? Jesus, how can you affirm me and let me know that I'm right in the way that I'm thinking, in the way that I'm acting? And so many of even the experiences, not just with uh, racism or racial injustice, but there are so many experiences in this in our world where people experience a moment of pain in our first Effort is put towards, well, let's see if you're even right to be hurt. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, okay, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, uh, and with all your mind, and, with, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, it there, you've answered correctly. You know what to do. You think you're right already, go for it. <laughs> go knock yourself out. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is the person that I need to love as I love myself? Who's the person? Where are they? How many of them? What do they look like? Where do they come from? Which ones do I have to love like myself and which ones do I not have to? Who Who is my neighbor? The ones that I agree with, which, which, which people are my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Jesus, uh, sometimes we can look at the Bible and think it's outdated and from the past and not applicable to our lives, but Jesus was living in an incredibly complex time, socially, politically, religiously, economically, and was living in a time where racism and racial inequality and racial injustice and all kinds of things were uh, rampant as they, as they are Today, in so many ways, the Roman Empire had come to town and was doing what the Roman Empire does take over the world and establish things the way they want it to be. And the Jews are caught up in this. And this is who uh, Jesus is talking to as a Jewish man and part of a Jewish community talking to a Jewish lawyer. A nation who is called by God and they want to have things go a certain way. Uh, And as an outlier in this empire, they find themselves at odds with so many other people. They find themselves at odds economically, at odds sociologically, at odds politically. And they're navigating that situation and maneuvering and doing all kinds of different things. There's also then close by them this other group of people called the Samaritans who they didn't get along with either. They hated each other. And they didn't have a reason to hate each other. They they hadn't gone to war. The Jews and the Samaritans weren't trying to take over each other's nation. They hated each other because they were different from each other. That was the crime. We're not the same, so we don't like each other. So much so that Jews, it it was said that if Jews were trying to go somewhere and it was quicker to go through Samaria, they would just go around. They didn't want to cross that part of the tracks. They didn't want to go into that side of town. They didn't want to talk or be around those kind of people. And it was the same around the other way, vice versa. So that is the environment in which Jesus is on the planet earth. And a lawyer stands up and says, who is my neighbor? That's a loaded question. And Jesus knows it's a loaded question. And you do too. Desiring to justify himself. (laughs) This is not a humble question. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because I've got some people I don't want to consider as my neighbor. I've got some people I don't know how to consider as my neighbor. I've got some people it'd be easier to not consider my neighbor. I've got some people that would be easier and I do prefer to be my neighbor. Can I just stick with them? Are you tracking with me in church? So, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells him this story. There was a Jewish man who goes on a trip down a road and he is uh, interrupted by robbers. He is beaten and he's left on the road. When they saw him, oh, let's see here. He fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and left him, leaving him half dead. This guy's in bad shape. Now by chance there was this, so this Jewish man is lying half dead on the road. The story goes on that a Jewish priest is going down that road, sees the Jewish man and passes by on the other side. Likewise, a Jewish Levite came and saw the Jewish man and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where the Jewish man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He reaches out and he begins to help him. I think that in an effort to apply this to us today, I wanna to kind of play along some more with this allegory uh, in an effort to help us make sure we're applying it today in our, in our context. So we have this Jewish man going on a trip and he is stripped, beaten, left for dead by these robbers. So we'll give him a Pilgrim's Progress type name. We'll, we'll, we'll give him a name. I want you to write this down. His name is The Hurting One. The hurting one. The hurting one is left on the road, bleeding, naked, and left for dead. And then who comes by first? Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. The priest, we're going to give his, his name. His name is systems. 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 Representative of, of systems, of ideas, of policies, of philosophies. Perspectives, paradigms, legacies, the way things are, that's what the priest represents. Systems comes by and finds the hurting one and passes by on the other side. Systems don't, hurt, don't help the hurting one. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed on the other side, we'll name him Law. Law, the law of the land, the rules, legislation. Law comes down the road and finds the hurting one and passes by on the other side. Systems don't don't help the hurting one. Laws don't help the hurting one. And I wonder if systems and laws don't help the hurting one because they don't care about the hurting one or maybe because they can't help the hurting one. Maybe philosophy in itself can't help the hurting one. Maybe opinions on their, by themselves can't help the hurting one. Maybe, maybe the law can't help the hurting one. Maybe it's because you can't, you can't legislate morality. You can't legislate compassion. Systems and law pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And we're going to give this Samaritan the name someone. Someone comes and helps the hurting one. Someone comes and he sees the hurting one. He finds the hurting one. He hears the hurting one. He observes the hurting one. He maybe smelled the hurting one. And he couldn't pass by. He couldn't pass by. Someone comes and he sees the hurting one. When he came to him, he had compassion. Compassion. Compassion, that word uh, in the original language, it, it means for the bowels to churn. There's this idea in kind of in antiquity that like uh, bowels were where compassion came from. Way down there, down in the depths, you know, way down deep in you. That's where compassion comes from. So Someone comes along and his stomach churns. He doesn't walk by because he can't walk by. He can't do it. He can't do it. Compassion isn't just, oh, that looks really bad. Oh, that's sad. Compassion makes you walk across the room. Compassion makes it impossible to, to walk by. Why did someone help the hurting one? Why did someone help the hurting one? Well, it wasn't because he was the same as the hurting one. Right? It it wasn't because he agreed with the hurting one. It wasn't because he necessarily understood the hurting one. It wasn't because he believed the same thing as the hurting one, it wasn't because he came from the same neighborhood as the hurting one, because he had the same parents as the hurting one, because he had the same political background as the hurting one, because he had the same religion as the hurting one, because he had the same faith as the hurting one. He helped the hurting one because he could. (laughs) Someone could help the hurting one because he could, and why could he? Someone could help because he wasn't. The hurting one. It was that simple. It was that simple. I, I can help you because I'm not hurting. I can help you because I'm not left for dead on the side of the road. Why, why should I help you? I don't know why I should, but I'm going to because I just can't walk by and I can't walk by because you're hurting. And the fact that you're hurting is enough to bring me across the road. The fact that you're hurting is enough for me to reach out. I find it interesting that he didn't sit down with the hurting one and initially begin with a conversation about, well, let's talk about why you're on the side of the road. Let's talk about how maybe you chose to walk down this road at an unideal time, at an unideal season. Let's talk about how you could have maybe taken some more precautions before you went down this road. Let's talk about what you could have done differently, what you should have done differently, what someone should have told you about this road. Before I help you, let's just really figure out if you should even be here in the first place. He helped because he could, and he could because he wasn't him. See, when the, 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 someone realized that Simply by virtue of me not being the one on the side of the road, that puts me in a place of opportunity right now. You could say it's a place of privilege, not a place that's earned, not a place he chose. Not a place he deserves credit for or blame for or any of those things. But simply by virtue of not being the one naked, bleeding, and half dead on the side of the road, he is in a place of opportunity. And the choice is, use it to help or not. And so he decides, I'm going to use it. I have compassion. He went to him. And he bound up his wounds. He got down in there. He poured on oil and wine. He sent him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. This man steps in to the hurting one's pain. Someone does something. He does something. He can't do everything. He's no doctor. He's got to take him to the inn. He doesn't have a bed. He doesn't have the training. He doesn't have all kinds of things, but he's got water. He's got oil. He's got a donkey someone did something he didn't do everything but he did do something because he could because he could do something jesus says which of these 3 do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers i think it's interesting that jesus doesn't define for the man who the neighbor is he defines for him who it is to be what it is to be a neighbor The man says, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus wants to talk less about who his neighbor is and more about what it means to be a neighbor. What does it mean to be a neighbor? He said, the one who showed him mercy, the one who showed him compassion. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You wanna figure out all this complex stuff? Go show mercy, go show compassion. Stop trying to figure out where all the lines are drawn and be compassionate. (laughs) Reach out and go do something. Do something. Do something. Not because you owe it. Not because somebody deserves it. Not because you're guilty of anything. Not because you have the explanation for everything. But do something because you can do something. Something. You can have compassion. You can be moved. You can step into pain. You can do what you can do. So do that. I think Jesus' message is clear to us as people who are navigating a world that is very complex, where there is so much pain and where that pain, complex as it is on its own, is politicized, which just makes it messier. Everything becomes loaded and you know how it feels. I know how it feels. You can't just talk about a thing You got to talk about, I don't even know what we're talking about. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) It's so complicated. And Jesus steps in to a world that's so obsessed with being right. And he says, go show compassion. We are in a world full of pain and full of problems. And we are facing and involved in and observing and other words that I don't know, a lot of it has to do, what we're talking about today is, is racial injustice. But the fact is, is that the source of the problem and the solution to the problem is more than skin deep. If you really listen to some of the conversations, if you really step into conversations with people who are hurting, regardless of what type of pain and the reason for the pain that they're having, the conversation they want to have is much more than skin deep. It is much more than about skin color. It's about history. It's about culture. It's about experience. It's about pain. It's about loss. It's about injustice. It's about lack of justice. It's about oppression. It's about confusion. It's about blame. They want to talk about... People wanna talk about so much more than things that are just skin deep. And I love that Jesus goes more than skin deep in his solution. And I want us to be a people who make sure that we live there. Make sure that we live there more than skin deep because we've gotta understand something. And this goes along with some of the conversations we've been having. And I hope that this can jump off of some of the conversations that we've had, even just specifically the one we had a few weeks ago in my living room. That we as believers have to understand that our ability to step into the world, our position even in different conversations is more than skin deep. You are more than a white person. You are more than a black person. You are more than a young person. You are more than an old person. You are a new person. You are a child of the living God. And Jesus needs his church to rise up in this time and realize that who they are is defined by things that are more than skin deep. The things that we are called to go more than skin deep. The things that we, the ways that we interpret the world must be more than skin deep. We must go deeper than the color of our skin and be driven by the blood that is in our veins. We must be driven by the spirit in our hearts. We must be driven by who we are as a people of God. This is what God is calling us to. This is what God is looking for. And this is what the world is looking for. Because all pain goes more than skin deep. All brokenness is more than skin deep. The reality is, is that the world we are living in is stripped beaten and left for half dead on the road. Not just because of skin color or this injustice or that injustice, that is all true, but because we have a problem that is more than skin deep. There are robbers that come and rob us and strip us and it is more than skin deep robbers. They do more than hit us in the face. They do more than take our clothes. They do more than just hurt us. We, all in, we are living in a world with the problem of sin. We are living in a world that is broken, not because God is distant, but because sin has broken things. And there's something that I, I just, I wrote, I didn't even know if I was gonna read it and I do not even know if I should read it, but I'm going to, if I can get my phone open here. Something that I, I just, I've been, as I've been pondering on this stuff for the last few weeks, I wrote this down. It says, my sin breaks everything. My sin breaks everything. The wages of sin is death. The wages of my sin is death. Death for me, death in me, death for the world, death in the world. Could Jesus do anything more outrageous than step into the world he created and give his perfect life in exchange for the death that I created? How can I ever think I need anything less than a savior? How could I ever think I need repair, improvement, or adjustment when I clearly need nothing less than to be made completely new? Everything needs to be made completely new. We need to be made completely new. Jesus, the brokenness hurts. Not because you're mad, not because you're distant, but because broken things hurt. It hurts my heart. It hurts my mind, it hurts my culture, it hurts my world. Disease, death, hatred, racism, arrogance, injustice, disappointment, bitterness, broken things hurt and everything is broken. I need you, we need you. Healer, lover, judge, father, friend, savior. You promise for some reason They will always receive us when we come back. Not sometimes in some ways, every time, all the way. Jesus, I repent. I have sinned. We have sinned. And it's so obvious we have fallen short of the glory of God. The miracle of the revelation of my sin and its consequence is the way that it reveals the sweet taste of your grace. I'm not looking at everyone else, blaming everyone else. I'm starting with me. Your kingdom has to come. Your will has to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're not asking me to look at everyone else, wait on everyone else. You're asking me to start with me. And that's the message of Jesus in the parable that he tells us, where he speaks directly to us, his people, living in a world that is broken. He's not looking for us to explain everything, understand everything, wait on somebody else, blame somebody else, explain something else. He's calling us to compassion and he's calling us to repentance. So I think we're just gonna end right there. And I wanna just end very clearly and it's practical and it's not. As we engage the world that we're living in and we say, what do we do? what do we do? It's the same question we were asking in our conversation in my living room, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do as the church? What do we do as young people? What do we do as black people? What do we do as white people? What do we do? We have compassion. I want to challenge you. I want to invite you. I want to implore you. I want to challenge you. I want to beg you. I want to call you to compassion compassion to the world that you live in first before you demand explanations let compassion rise up so a few weeks ago I was talking in our series on Nehemiah about the loneliness that we've been experiencing in quarantine and how we have to let our pain preach to us before you shut it down let it preach let it preach to you and let you understand this time for the rest of time I'm not here to do this alone that's why it hurts so bad learn the lesson now I want to talk to us about the pain that we're feeling right now let it preach Let it preach. Let the pain preach to you. Let the pain preach to you of what it feels like for it to hurt so that the next time somebody says, I'm hurting, you can understand, maybe not why, but you can understand what they're saying. So much of love starts with learning how to understand. Not even make sense of all of it, but to step in with compassion and step into the pain. Let us be a people who step in with compassion. You want to know what to do? What do you do with the injustice in the world? Find somebody who's hurting and show them compassion. Show them compassion. Don't demand their explanation. Don't wait till you understand all of it. Show compassion. Show compassion. Listen. Give what you do have. The time you do have. The relationships you can give. The encouragement you can give. The listening ear you can give. You can give something. Do something. Don't let your inability to do everything keep you from doing anything. Do something. Be someone who does something. And we have to be a people who repent. Not just of racism, though, if if, (laughs) absolutely that, but repent of sin. Jesus, in the Bible, makes it so clear to us He says, when my people, who are called by my name, repent, God's not looking for the church to wait for everybody else to change their mind. God's not waiting on the church to wait for everybody to believe like we believe. God's not waiting on everybody else to repent. He's waiting for the church to come and say, Lord, we repent. We repent personally. We repent corporately, and we we repent in the sense of intercession. For those who won't come and stand before you and repent, I will stand here and repent. I will call out for your mercy so that you will show mercy, not just to me, but for the nations of the earth. This is the church that Jesus is looking for, a church of compassion, a church of repentance so that the newness, not the fixing, not the adjusting, not the improving, but the newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit can bubble up in us and begin to spread to the world around us. The problem is more than skin deep, and the solution is more than skin deep. I'm going to pray for us as we close. I hope that this has been helpful for somebody. Um, just, and you know, I, as we continue these conversations, you know, it's, I was thinking, you know, how do I, how do I preach the the, the same message with the same title a third time? Well, it's because the same thing keeps happening. So we're going to keep talking about it. For those of you that are tired of hearing about it, I understand, but we got to keep talking about it. That is one of the things we can do is not fall asleep. One of the things we can do is keep it in front of us. One of the things we can do, go find somebody who's hurting today. It doesn't have to be someone who doesn't even look like you, but go do that in your life. But today you can go show compassion. Work that muscle out (laughs) and walk across the room. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your word. We pray that we would be a people of compassion. We pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would bring us as individuals in Antioch Church and the church, would you bring us to repentance so that we can find freedom, so that we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that revival can happen in our land and healing can happen. Lord, we're praying for all of us that are hurting. Lord, I'm praying that we would experience you in the pain that we would experience you in the grief, that there would be revelation in the pain that we need Jesus. We need so many things and we need Jesus. And Lord, I also pray that for every single one of us that you would teach us compassion. You would teach us not just how to deal with our own pain, but teach us how to step into the pain of other people. Teach us how to love like you loved. Teach us how to serve like you served. Teach us how to build bridges. Teach us how to invest in relationships. Teach us how to keep things in front of us that are painful, but teach us to do it for the sake of those who are hurting. Help us be someone who does something. In Jesus' name, amen.